that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Buddy. I tell you, younger people have a hard time probably really getting into things like that. But us older folks who've been through troubles and trials and death and sickness, man, how we long for that day to be on that ship, the old ship of Zion. Well, we're in Joshua chapter 5, and uh, two important things are happening this week. I just want to jog your memory. One is, I hate to tell you this, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to lose an hour of sleep come Saturday night. You're going to spring forward, and when it's, you're going to look outside and say, my goodness, it's not 7 o'clock yet, and it's going to be 8 o'clock. Uh, and so uh, just get ready for it. It's coming. It's coming. Just come on down here. Uh, I know every time daylight savings time changes, especially when it goes forward, I think I, there's no, not going to be nobody there. I've got to make a mistake or something. But, but it is true time. And then the other thing that's very important, uh, we'll be ordaining or installing five men Sunday morning as deacons. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be still preaching out of Jacob, uh, uh, Jacob out of uh, Joshua. And uh, I'm going over to the 24th chapter, but it's still in Joshua. Uh, but it's going to be a great time uh, uh, of uh, uh, just a great time and a great spirit for Sunday morning. I hope you'll be here and be a part of it. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, just two verses tonight. We covered a lot of chapter 5 on Sunday morning, but there is so many different sermons in chapter 5. But, but I just want to end it here with, with this, this sermon, when the manna stopped, when the manna ended, when it stopped. Verse 11 says, And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Father, would you just bless the time we have. Thank you, Lord, for that beautiful song, how we long to be on that old ship of Zion. Lord, we realize it may be battered, it may be beat up, but God, when you told us to get on board, we're going to the other side. We, we take that as a promise. And Lord, to be absent in this body, to be present with you, we're excited about it. I ask you to let your word speak to our hearts tonight, the manna, what it represented, and uh, just, Lord, feed us tonight as only you can feed us. In Jesus' name, amen. The children of Israel had been waiting to claim the inheritance that God promised for 40 years. Uh, he had given that promise to Abraham and his descendants many years before. Uh, in Genesis 13, God made the following promise to Abraham. He said, The Lord said unto Abram, After that lot was separated from him, Lift up thine eyes, look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever, and I'll make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. And did you get that? I mean, his seed is going to be so great, it's going to equal the dust of the earth. So if any of y'all here tonight can go through this whole earth and count how many dust particles there are, bless God, there's thousands of them in my house. 
Uh, but uh, did I say that? Uh, but uh, what I mean is, is that when you turn that unit on, it just stirs up dust. And, uh, but uh, if you can count the dust particles, then you can count the descendants of Abram. And he said, Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, and I'll give it unto thee. Now the same promise was made not just to Abraham, he's dead now, but to Isaac, Genesis 26, 3. Sojourn in this land, and I'll be with thee, and I'll bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I'll give all these countries. I'll perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. So he gave it to Abraham, he gave it to Isaac, and then he comes along and he gives it to Jacob in Genesis 28, 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. In thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So he gave that promise to Abraham. Then he gave that promise to Jacob, uh, to Isaac. And then he gave that promise to Jacob. And then he turns around and gives that promise to Joseph. He said in Genesis 50, Joseph said to his brother, I die. God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then he promises the same thing to Moses. Exodus 6, Wherefore say I unto the children of Israel, I'm the Lord, and I'll bring you out under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I'll rid you out of their bondage, and I'll redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I'll take you to me for a people. I'll be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I'll bring you into, uh, unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'll give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Those great promises are on the verge of being fulfilled right here as they're standing on the other side of the Jordan River, getting ready to go into Canaan land, to Jericho, and to literally conquer the land. Now, People say, well, if the Lord gave it, why didn't, why'd they have to fight for it? Let, let me tell you something I've learned about God. Now, I, I tell people all the time this. You pray like everything depends on God. And then you work like everything depends on you. I want to tell you something about God that I've discovered. You know, the Bible says that he knows every sparrow. It, it, they all get fed. He feeds the sparrows. But did you know God doesn't deliver the food to the nest? Those sparrows have to go out there and get it. God's going to bless and God gives promises. But if you think we can sit on our blessed assurance and just say, well, God, just bless me. Just bless me, God. You're wrong. We've got to get about the Lord's business when we're obedient to him. I don't care what you do in the Bible. I don't care where you look at it. When you find somebody getting blessed, I, don't, I challenge you this week. Go through and just try to find something. When you find somebody getting blessed, before they are blessed, there will be obedience. When there is obedience, it opens the door for God to pour out his blessings. If there's disobedience, then you're not, you're not going to get that blessing. But if, if you will be obedient to God, any, I don't care what it was, the woman who had a little bit of oil and, and uh, you know, uh, she was fixing to just make one more cake for her and her son and die, uh, and, and the prophet told her, you go ahead and make me a cake first. 
and then uh, then go get you as many uh, uh, bottles and and uh, to put oil in that you can. Well, the oil only came after she was obedient. Only I don't, I don't care what you find in the Bible, you will never find people who are disobedient being blessed. They, it's just not there. Now I will tell you something else too that we need to remember. Because I know some of you are going to say, well, you know, preacher, I'm doing pretty good. I hear that every day. Could I tell you this? Partial obedience is disobedience. You say, well, I'm partially. Well, that means you ain't. That's what that means. Uh, you know, I never will forget, we was down at Lake Tejas, out of a, a Comanil down there <clears throat> years ago. And I had this youth director that looked just like MacGyver. I mean... The, the old MacGyver, you could not, I mean, and the girls just flocked to him, and, and uh, I was sitting, standing there watching these little old girls, they were from somewhere in East Texas, I don't know where, and they were giggling and trying to, you know, get fresh with him and everything, and, and he said, uh, how old are you? And she said, well, I'm almost 13. And he said, that means you're 12. Yeah. Amen. Uh, yeah. So, so when somebody said, did you obey? Well, I, I, I partially, no, no, no. Either you obeyed or you did not obey. But partial obedience is disobedience. So these great promises from the Lord, they're on the verge of being fulfilled. And the children of Israel have survived 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Now, a lot of things fixing to change for Israel. They're going to be fighting a series of battles that they've never fought before. They've never been this way before. They're going to fight against the Canaanites for the land that's going to be their home. Uh, and then they're going to come to a place where they settle down and, and they're going to kind of get at home and God's going to bless and things are going to happen. Uh, but the Bible says that one of the major changes here is in this verse here, verse 12, the manna ceased as the people of Israel traveled through the wilderness. They were in a place... Uh, where little food existed. It would have taken an enormous amount of food to feed a crowd that you know, conservatively numbered between two and three million. I mean, just say there's not that many. Say there's a million and a half. Well, there's still not that many hamburgers out there in the wilderness to go around. The Chick-fil-A has been torn down, and there's no more Chick-fil-A. There's nothing out there. Nothing. Nothing. So the manna, in response to their need for food, the Lord moved in a supernatural way. Now, we need to be reminded. I'm just going to remind us of a lot of things tonight because I want to tell you something. Uh, when you start talking about supernatural, people are like, ooh, ooh. But I want to tell you, our God is a supernatural God. And when you try to make him human like us, what you do is you shortchange what a supernatural God can do. So this supernatural God gave him a substance called manna. Came down from heaven during the night. In the morning, all the people had to do was walk outside, gather manna, and they had enough food for the day. Now, that's pretty convenient. You know, I, 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 I used to, and then I had this surgery, and I kind of got out of it. But I used to would get up every morning and make bacon, eggs, biscuits, you know, for Becky and I. Because, uh, well... The truth is, I make better eggs than she does. And, uh, you know, she leaves a skirt on them things, and I can't, 
I can't swallow that. You know, I don't like that. But now she's learned to make just as good eggs. And uh, since I've had this surgery, she's been making the breakfast. And, and if the eggs look good, I eat them. If they don't, I say, you know, I think I want oatmeal today. Uh, but uh, how convenient would it be? I mean, even doing a small breakfast for two people, you got to go to the refrigerator, you got to get everything out, you got to crack eggs, you got to get bacon ready. You got to, and I still don't do microwave. That, you, that ain't real bacon there, I'm telling you. Uh, and and uh, you, you got to cook all that stuff. How convenient was it to walk out your door and pick up your food for the day? <laughs> I mean, th they had it made because of a supernatural God to, to sent the manna every day uh, that they were journeying through the wilderness with the exception of the, it being on the Sabbath. They didn't get manna. They were to collect enough on, on the, the day before to cover the Sabbath also. Uh, so the Bible says, now the manna ceased. So let's look at what the manna pictured. Number one, the manna was a gift of grace. God's grace to his people to understand. I think that's fitting music there to charge Jericho. Maybe we need to skip to chapter 6. Amen. <laughs> Is that... uh, can you play that on the guitar, buddy? <laughs> Y'all ever been in a Jericho march? Anybody here ever been in a Jericho march? You, you're probably Pentecostal if you have. But let me just give you a little secret. If you're in one of those churches and they start a Jericho march, get up and get in the march. Because those who are left behind are the ones that they squeeze in on. So get in that Jericho march and just march around. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the manna pictured a gift of God's grace to his people. Um, if you go back, we don't have time tonight, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 16, that whole chapter, uh, uh, verses 1 through 5, talks about the manna being sent as a response to the complaint of the people. They were hungry, and they missed the food. And uh, the Bible says, uh, told, God tells Moses that he's going to rain bread from heaven for you. And he said, the, but he also said in verse 4 of Exodus 16, he tells Moses that the manna will serve as a testing for the people of Israel. God will use their response to the manna to test their obedience to his law. Wow. It's not just bread. You know, God's got a purpose for it. It represents the, the grace of God, uh, how graceful God is. And then <clears throat> he gives us several insights in that 16th chapter of Exodus there about manna that I just want to just touch on because the manna was a clear picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find that throughout the whole Old Testament. Uh, Jesus, uh, you'll find Jesus in every book of the Bible. He's there. Uh, it, number one, it was small. It was small. You say, what does small have to do with Jesus? It's a thing called humility. Humility. You see, he's the creator of the universe. The one who slung the stars into space and the one who put the mountains here and the oceans here, he humbled himself and became obedient and came and died on this cross in this world. That's humility. It's small. And uh, uh, that you can't get out of that being loved no matter what you do. So Jesus loved us. He humbled himself. Uh, that's something we need to do. Uh, secondly, it was round, uh, like a circle. 
And that reminds us, just like a wedding ring does, but that reminds us that it doesn't have a start and it doesn't have an ending. Jesus, let me tell you, he's not, you can't find where he was born anywhere except as a man. But he has always been from the beginning. And he'll always be to the end. There's no beginning, there's no end. So the manna was in a circle that represented uh, 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 no beginning and no ending. Our Savior is eternal. Thirdly, the manna was white, uh, like the purest of snow. The whiteness of the manna speaks about the purity of Jesus Christ. We were in... Uh, uh, now, my staff, they, if, I, if I just tell them, no, please don't do that, they won't do it. They really won't. But I try to give them liberty to do, to do whatever they feel led to do. But we were talking about this new children's building, and, and I want to tell you, a lot of churches today are doing it. I, I was in two here a couple of weeks ago. They paint everything black, everything black. When I folk, I got a little problem with that because black represents sin. I mean, everywhere I look in the Bible, black's evil. So I mentioned that over here in the meeting we had this week. And he said, well, you know, preacher, I, nobody had ever told me that. And I said, do a dark blue. I mean, you can almost make navy blue look black, but you can say it's blue, you know. Uh, now, that, that don't matter to a lot of people. But I want to tell you, for the people of God, we need to get our theology right. We don't need to be doing things. Uh, I, uh, who was, somebody's got a house number, 666. And I said, I don't care what. <laughs> if I'd change my house number or something. I'd burn it. I'd move it over a little bit or do something. But I wouldn't have no house number. I hope he's not in here tonight. But somebody's got, somebody here's got a house number, 666. But it, it, it was white. That represented the purity. The colors mean something in the Word of God. Uh, the, 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 the green and the gold and all those things mean something there. Uh, and then it came at night. It came at night. You say, what was that? Well, Jesus came at night. He was born in a stable in the middle of the dark night. So the manna represents all of that. And, and, and not only was he born in a dark stable, I mean, you can just add to this thing, he was born in a dark world. That was wrapped up in sin. And he knew it. He knew it. And then it was misunderstood by those who found it. They called it manna, which the word manna means, what is it? So they didn't even understand it. You do know Jesus was misunderstood by those who, who crucified him to his own people. They crucified him. They didn't understand him. They couldn't understand it. There are a lot of people today... Guys, don't, don't get weary in trying to witness to lost people. Lost people living in darkness. They have no idea what you're talking about. And you think, I hear people all the time, if I could just go to them, you know, if you, if you just come and talk to them, look, you talk to you blue in the face. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can break up the darkness. That's it. If the Holy Spirit's not going to break it, that's the only one who broke your darkness up. Nobody else did that. There wasn't no preacher smart enough to do that. No church sharp enough to do that. That was the Holy Spirit of God. So it was misunderstood. But I'm going to tell you what. It was sufficient for every person's need. Every person. 
For 40 years, it was sufficient for the young ones and for the old ones and for everybody in between. The manna was right for everybody. A young man growing up into manhood, the manna supplied all the nutrients and everything he needed to grow up as a man. The young girl that's growing up to be a young lady and a woman for the Lord, that manna supplied everything they need. It was good enough to sustain the rich and the poor. It fed the leader and it fed the follower. It was good enough to sustain that entire congregation of Israel for 40 years. Could I tell you something? When you come to a place in your life and you realize that the only thing you've got left is Jesus, he's going to be all you need. He's going to be all you need. See, we don't find that place very many, many times because what we do is we're clawing and fighting and searching everything out here in the world we can, try to keep our head above water. But when you come to a place and you're backed in a corner and all you've got is Jesus, he's all you need. He's all you need. And, and then it was sweet to the taste. The Bible says in uh, Exodus 16, 31, the taste of the manna was like tasting wafers made with honey. Whoo, there's none better than them good honey-made wafers. Amen? Uh, it, it's a great picture. Uh, it, it was a surprise to everyone who put the manna on their tongue. To a lost person, Jesus seems like a person who wants to rob you of all your joy. But boy, to somebody who's been saved by the blood of the Lamb, the taste of Jesus is sweet. You realize there's no one else like him. There's nothing else like him. He is the one that literally will delight your soul. He'll set your heart on fire. The psalmist said it like this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 34, verse 8. Boy, I'm telling you, uh, it, we used to sing that old song, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I tell you that when you're walking with Jesus and close to Jesus, he, it is more tasteful, it is sweeter, it's better than ever before. And then number eight, <clears throat> it was to be kept and passed on to others. Uh, he's to be shared. The manna was to be shared. Jesus is to be shared. The manna is a brilliant picture of the Lord and reminds us of what Jesus came to do and who Jesus was. So that's the picture. But also what the manna provided. My goodness, time flies. Uh, the children of Israel lived on this manna for 40 years. And uh, uh, 13,000 days they gathered it, cooked it, ate it, tried numerous ways. Numbers 11 said the people went about, gathered it, ground it in meals, beat it in mortar, baked it in pans, made cakes of it. The taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. But the manna was their lifeline. See, the manna kept them from starving to death while they were in the wilderness. I want to tell you, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, will keep you spiritually from starving to death. I mean, you, 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 you get out here in this world, you know, I was talking to a guy that was looking for a different job, probably going to get a different job. And I said, well, do you, you think it's going to be? And this is what they told me. They said, uh, it's kind of like pick whichever Nineveh you want. But that's the way this world is. That's the way it's going to be. Now, I can be like a television evangelist. Tell me if you send me $100, I'll make it better for you. 
But I tell you right now, according to the Word of God, it's not going to get better. It's still going to continually get worse. So the people kept the manna. The manna kept them from starving to death. Uh, the, when you boil it all down, the difference between having the manna and not having the manna was the difference between life and death. Could I tell you tonight the difference between having Jesus and not having Jesus is the difference of eternal life or eternal death and damnation? I mean, this, this manna just, good gracious, it's just a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of truths here, too. Uh, you say, boy, you're stretching. Well, I, just, I think, you know, you need to dig and find out. There's not a word in this Bible that God didn't intend for it to be there. It's got a purpose. This manna was appropriated by stooping. You had to stoop to get down to pick up the manna. They had to bend their knees and get down there where it was. I want to tell you, the only way you're ever going to come to Jesus is with an humble heart. You're going to have to fall on your face. You're going to have to stoop. You, you, if you think you're going to waltz in there like you're somebody... Like the Lord is just lucky to have you on his side. I won't tell you, that's not going to work. They had to stoop. And, and, and no one comes to Jesus filled with pride and thinking they're adequate within themselves. They're not. And then it was appropriated by swallowing. The manna was gathered by the men of the tent. And when the manna was brought in the tent, it was divided out according to the number of the people in the tent. If there were six in that tent, it got six. If there were eight in this one, it got eight. If there were two in this one, it got two. Uh, and uh, the only way, and here's what's important now, the only way the manna would benefit you is if you swallowed it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Could I tell you that uh, you can carry your Bible to church and to work and to school and you can hear every sermon that's ever preached and you can sit and listen to some great preachers. Boy, if you want to hear some great preachers, you, you get on the Internet and go back and listen to old Lester Roloff or you go back and listen to old, uh, oh man, my favorite guy, I listen to him all the time, the truck driver preacher, uh, Mays Jackson out of North Carolina. I'm telling you, you can listen to all the sermons you want to. You can sing in the choir. You can teach Sunday school. You can be a deacon. You can be a preacher. But if you don't come to Jesus and accept him, it's not going to help you. He's there. He's willing to, 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 to come in. But it's like the picture, you know, the picture of you seeing Jesus standing at the door knocking. You ever notice something really weird about that? There's no doorknob on it. That's because Jesus is not going to open the door and push himself in. You're going to have to open the door from the inside and say, Lord, come in. Come on in and take care of me. Uh, the manna provided life to those who ate it, and Jesus provides life to those who come to him. Uh, there, there are a lot of roads you can take through life. <clears throat> Uh, if I leave here going to Dallas, there are many roads. I left going last night, and uh, thank goodness, I, I, you know, God protects you when you don't know what you're doing. Uh, but I thought, well, that's no problem. I'm going to Dallas, and the westbound lane of I-20 is closed today. Uh, there at 
at uh, Lindale, at that new overpass or building. And I said, oh, good, that's today, honey. We got it made. Stupid me, I didn't think about coming home on the eastbound side. It was closed yesterday. Uh, so you, there are the many different roads you can go from here to Dallas. I won't tell you. I don't care what anyone tells you. It's just like this, this week, you saw uh, uh, Huckabee resign from the Country Music Association because they got on to him because of his stand on same-sex marriage. You do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you there's one road that leads to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And I don't care how many people. I've got a meeting Monday, and they're probably going to throw me off of a board I'm on. I really probably ought to resign before I go over there, but I, I got people here that I've got vested interest in. But their idea is there's no, we can hire workers who are homosexual. We can hire workers who are lesbians. None of this makes any difference. There's, there's nothing. Had a guy that was an elder in the Christian church tell me last month, there's nothing in the Bible about homosexuality and all of that. I said, do you read your Bible? I mean, have you ever read your Bible? It'll scare the daylights out of you. And I thought right then, you know, I thought I'm going to try to hang in here and keep plugging. But, but the bottom line is I don't want somebody to come by five years from now and say, well, oh, Charles Hunt was on that board over there, and, man, they were all mixed up in all that stuff. There's some things we just need to walk back and just say, I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to be a part of it. Uh, I, 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 Brother Allen can verify this. I, I want a fellowship with people and all. We've got a, a pastoral ministerial fellowship here in Longview. But I, I, can't, I can't go. I can't go. I can't stand next to someone who's a homosexual that's been ordained in a denomination to pastor a church. I can't do that. I can't even stand next to a woman that's been ordained to pastor a church because that's unscriptural. You go, now, preacher, this is the 21st century. You need to chill out. No, we need to rev up is what we need to do. We don't need to chill out. That's what our problem is. We chilled out a long time ago. Now, so the manna sustained the lives of the people. i got to hurry here. It provided their salvation. Jesus does the same thing. He blesses them with his presence. Matthew 28, lo, I'm with you always. He blesses them with his peace. Philippians 4, give you the peace that passeth all understanding. He blesses them with his provision. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Everything that he gave to these people here, he gave to us also. He blesses them with the power to witness. Acts 1, 8, ye shall be my witnesses. And, uh, uh, and, and then the power to love others and the power to live for God and the power to withstand everything that comes our way. Nothing, no temptation comes our way that he don't provide a way of escape for. He has blessed us. But, but I'm going to tell you now, uh, the manna provided hope too. And I'm, I'm almost through. It provided hope. When they ate that meal, there was a promise that there would be meat to eat tomorrow because it was provided for them. It was going to be provided. I was watching some of our kids, and we, we try to stay up on top of them and make sure uh, we've got kids that night, and I was watching them tonight uh, eating. Man, our church kids, they, you know, they, they don't halfway. They don't want to eat ham, and they'll throw stuff away and all. 
But boy, you can sit out there and watch those little kids that don't know what they're going to have for breakfast tomorrow. They're eating that ham up. They're eating that macaroni and cheese up. And, and they don't have any idea if they'll even have breakfast tomorrow. They have no idea. But this manna provided hope. When they ate that manna, they knew God was going to provide something tomorrow also. And I want to tell you, Jesus provides the same hope today for his children. Uh, the manna sustained Israel 40 years. And then the promise, the manna ceased the day after the children of Israel had eaten of the fruit of Canaan. Every day when the people of Israel picked up and ate the manna, that simple piece of bread was making a promise. And the promise was this. <clears throat> There's a better day coming. They'd pick up that manna, but the promise of God is there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. Can I tell you that there's a better day coming? Amen. By and by, we're headed, uh, they were headed for the land of milk and honey. and we're go They're going to a place of blessing where all your needs are going to be met. And we've got that same promise today. To be absent in this body, to be present with the Lord. Uh, get in that place. When, when you're down, uh, and uh, remember, remind yourself of what Christ has already done for you. I don't know what condition you're in spiritually. Maybe tonight, what you really need to do more than anything, and we don't have necessarily a public invitation, but you can come to me. You can come to Brother Allen. Uh, you can go to any number, but any of these people here are scattered all over here and say, look, I, I've never been saved. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Coming to Jesus. And, and somebody will sit down and show you that. Because you're never going to enjoy any of the promises of God until, first of all, you're born into the kingdom of God. Amen. See, the promises of God, heaven's a wonderful place, but it's a prepared place. Right. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not prepared for it, you don't get a reservation there. So it may be tonight that the first thing you need to do is say, look, I need to get prepared and come and, and we'll show you how to do that. It may be that you're still dealing with sins of the mind and the flesh and, and the worldliness that's going on. Man, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, and Y'all got it tougher than me in many times. Uh, the, the roughest thing I got to do is put up with some women talking back here in the office. You know, we're trying to be Christian here. Uh, but I, you guys, I, you're in the world. And those people in the world, I don't know if you figured it out or not, but it's nothing against you. They hate Jesus. See, he's the light. It's just like those rats in that barn when I'd go down there at night. Uh, and I'd flip that switch and you'd hear them scattering all over. Big rats, I mean, that would eat a cat. They wasn't scared of me. They were scared of the light. And when the light walks in, darkness looks for a way to get out. So whatever condition you're in, maybe you need to come to Jesus, confess your sins, and, and repent of those sins. But I want to tell you, you need to be at a place in your spiritual life where you're enjoying the things of God. I told the people at Arabella, I preached out of a, something, a First John this morning over there. And I said, you know what is contagious? What is contagious would be attitude and spirit that you're enjoying yourself. I mean, I'll be honest with you. 
Uh, if, if you're going to say the same things that a lost person says when they come and say, hey, you're fired, you're going to cuss them and you're going to do everything, they say, well, what do I need that church for? My goodness, I, I do that. But if they see you living a Christian life, that's contagious. You Honestly, now I think we ought to be witnessing. I don't buy into this stuff, you know, witnessing if you need to use words. I don't, there's power in the Word of God. This is the only book that's ever promised that when it goes out, it comes back and accomplishes what it was set out to do. So I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying your attitude probably determines where most people uh, even want to be around you or not. Now, I know we fake a lot of things. Too. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, doing fine. And, and we probably ought to be a little bit more sincere and say, hey, you could pray for me in this. I got this problem. But then there's some people, bless God, you ask them how they're doing, and they're going from, their, from the top of their head all down through their hemorrhoids and all down to the corns on their toes. And you kind of figure them out, and you say, dear God, here they come. And you duck in a room somewhere to try to miss them. Don't, don't be so down, you know. Be, be, be upbeat about it. Hey, we all got problems. The difference is how we handle those problems. And there's some tough problems. But God is always enough. Father, thank you tonight for loving us, your spirit. I pray tonight, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, before they leave this building tonight, God, impress upon them to come and talk with someone and be saved before it's everlastingly too late. There are others, though, I know most of us in this building probably have been saved, bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, you told us that we're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. You give us the strength to be an overcomer. Help us to be that way in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen.